Well, good morning, and uh, it's great to be with you. I'm looking forward to when we can all be together, in person, celebrating and worshipping the Lord. But I'm thankful for our connection, even through this Zoom platform. I'm thankful for the fact that God is making us as a people together. He's shaping us and he's forming us for his greater purpose and glory. One of the reasons I'm devoting our time this year, especially to growing in disciple making, is because I believe this is the foundational call of what it means to follow Christ. It's not that we, not only that we would grow in his teaching and his ways, but we would also teach others in the context of loving friendship, intimate friendship, what it means to follow Christ, what it means to enter into and live out of the place of blessing. Last week, I began this talk uh, and we explored this invitation of growing in hearing the voice of the Lord, the pursuit of hearing him, understanding that when we come to Christ, just as I reflected when we uh, get married or we enter into any kind of community or friendship, it's an invitation to lay some things aside, to, to have our priorities in life changed. And if we are to be a kingdom people, if we are to be those who seek the very glory of God and the kingdom of God to be manifest and shown through us, then it will mean our taking up new priorities. This is something that the Spirit does in us as we invite him to do that, as we surrender the will to the one who loves us beyond what we can imagine. And we discover that it is in the surrendered life that we find and experience and know the greatest love of the Father. So last time we looked at the pursuit of hearing him. And today I want to reflect briefly upon the privilege of responding to what we hear. And I think it really is a privilege. It's an amazing thing what God has done for us. That despite our indifference to him, Paul puts it in the language of once we were enemies of God. And yet, nevertheless, he's invited us to know him, to walk with him, to bear his glory, and to be, in a way, his representative. Can it be any more of a privilege than that? And if we've invited Jesus into our lives, we've, we've invited the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to shape us into the likeness of Jesus then we must know that this Jesus in us more than anything wants to please the Father. Hopefully this is an increasing desire, one of those transformed priorities in you, that your life is to please the Father. Got some interesting feedback uh, last week in my comments about uh, marriage. But the parallels are fascinating to me. The more that we choose to live our lives to please our spouse, or please anyone for that matter. In other words, for the sake of others, when we're selfless rather than selfish and self-centered, we feel the most fulfilled. We experience the greatest joy. We actually understand more about the nature of love as we give ourselves away for the sake of others. This is what we see modeled in the life of Jesus, who lived according to what the Father wanted. Yet not my will, but your will be done. The writer of the Hebrews gives this warning. Today, 
If you hear his voice, what we reflected on last week, a pursuit of hearing. But if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Now, when he says you, he's reflecting back to the people of Israel, that as they rebelled against the call of God, and to some extent were continuing to do that, even as Christians in the day that this was written, and they were going back to their old convictions, their old traditions, very often out of fear um, of what it might cost them to stay as a Christ follower. There was this warning, do not harden your hearts. The call to protect our hearts is the very heart of the gospel. Jesus himself says it's the wellspring of life. And therefore, it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. God looks to the heart. And actually, he's concerned if we're going through the motions of religion or spirituality, even church going, and yet there's no heart conviction, then it's offensive to him. Because he wants a love relationship. He just doesn't want us going through the motions. And you can't keep that going. Eventually, you'll slip up. Eventually, the real you comes out. And what God desires more than anything is the real him comes out of us. So we have this word in Paul's words to Timothy, where he says, exercise or train yourself towards godliness. There's a responsibility. Remember, I spoke about this a couple of weeks ago. Um, actually, there's an obligation, Paul says. If by the Spirit we put to death the misdeeds of the flesh, we shall live. The spiritual life is a work. It's a, a work of faith. Paul says, a labor of love, whilst we hope and look forward to the fulfillment. And in, the, in this passage, Paul puts it in the language of exercise. Uh, the actual Greek word is gymnazo, from which we get the word gymnasium. Believe you me, there's a lot of work that takes place in a gymnasium. Not that I've been in one that much recently, nor sadly in a swimming pool that much. In fact, I'm really missing that. But I do like to kind of work and sweat in a gym when I have the opportunity. And it is work. It's painful. We're taking our bodies and our muscles to the point of failure uh, because that is the way in which our muscles expand and grow and our capacity in a physical sense grows. And Paul is drawing the parallel between the physical understanding of exercise and the spiritual life. And so godliness is something that we have to exercise ourselves towards. It doesn't just land upon us as much as we would love that to be true. And one of the most powerful spiritual disciplines we can exercise is that of submission. Yes, we wish it could be another way, but submission is felt and valued so highly in God's economy in God's kingdom. And it's a vital part of our training unto godliness. It's actually a vital part of our being transformed. Um, and, the, and there being a truth and a reality that our priorities are changing because we're no longer living for ourselves, but we're living for the Lord. We're living for what he desires. And uh, because we believe in that is life, that's what we were created for. And so we were the most fulfilled and most joyful when we do that. So this part of exercising ourselves trains us to deny self. That's a big part of submission, of yielding the will and the priority of what we want. It's also something that helps us learn about trust. 
We cannot trust whilst we want to retain control. In fact, most people who like to be in control and dominate others are not very trustworthy. They're not very safe to be around. And what helps us understand not only God's love for us, but this reality of a trusting relationship is going to be dependent upon the degree to which we submit and yield our will. And this also trains us to discern the will of God. It's often a, a challenging question for people. How do I know what God wants of me? Well, it's going to be tied to my choice to yield. Remember two weeks ago, I, I said one of the important things is that we actually yield before we receive. <laughs> uh, because we receive far more when we want to hear and follow. And so discerning God's will is so closely aligned with the degree to which we submit our own will. But who are we to submit to? Well, uh, the scriptures, again, are very helpful in this. Remember I talked about being nourished through the scriptures and actually having the, the sort of traditions and conventions that I've lived my life beside being challenged, actually being changed. I've got to let some things go. That's what repentance is and take up and embrace some new truths and new ways. And the first way we're invited to submit is to God. Submit yourselves then to God, James says, and he will raise you up. Um, I spoke again a couple of weeks ago, this invitation to be slaves of God. It's an unpopular concept, I would imagine, in today's world, being slaves to anything. It would have been much more familiar language in Paul's day. Um, but it carries this concept that God is our protector. He's our provider. And he wants us to trust him in that. But he also wants us to yield our wills to him because he is Lord and he knows what is best for us. And when we choose to do that, the pressure is genuinely off. We do not have to make things happen. We do not have to provide in one sense. We just have to follow in obedience to him. But he doesn't stop with himself. In fact, one of the ways we know that we're actually submitted to God is the measure to which we submit to other human people and agencies. And, this, and a second area in which we're invited to submit, again, this is all about the renewal and transformation of our priorities in life, such that we would become more like those who follow him, is that we would submit to human authorities. Submit to human authorities. Peter writes this, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. What if we were to take the interpretation of that and apply it into the workplace. Are you submitted to the authority in the workplace, for those of you who are still working? And uh, your manager, your boss, your owner, in terms of the business. And this is not just for those who are good managers or bosses, but actually even those who are harsh and unjust and unfair. Because it's not about who deserves to be submitted to. It's again, it's a condition of the heart. It's a reflection of my submission to God. Is that I'm willing to submit to other authorities in my life. Both governmental as well as professional or occupational authorities. And when I do that, 
God can release greater blessing and influence and impact through me. It's not a guarantee that that will not be abused. But it is a guarantee that God will be with me and for me. A third area into which we are invited to submit is that of family relationships. Family relationships. Husbands, wives, children. Jesus was described as one who was obedient to his parents and he grew in wisdom and stature. Wives are invited to submit to their husbands. Husbands are invited to love their wives as Christ loved the church. And hear this, and gave himself up for her. Herein is the same submission to our wives that we would give ourselves up for her to release the blessing of God into her life. And when two relationships are yielded in this way, God is able to do extraordinary things through that. It's somewhat counterintuitive, but only to the natural mind or the natural man. The spiritual man sees and understands and is drawn to these things. And if I'm struggling with this, if there's something within me that wises up and resists that, hey, welcome to the club. <laughs> You're amongst friends, so to speak. But we've got to recognize that uh, we are not to follow every inclination of our heart within us. Because there are desires in our members, there are lusts, yearnings, longings within us that are contrary to what God wants, contrary to what is loving. And we have to recognize and discern those things. That's, that's why we need one another. That's why we need to be yielded to the word of God, as well as God himself and the spirits working within us, such that we can lay aside the things that are inconsistent with what God has revealed and submit to the truth. And God's promise is that when we do that, we'll experience the blessing of his favor, his hand upon us. It's a matter of faith, but it's always been a matter of faith. Everything to do with the spiritual life is a matter of faith. Learning to trust in the goodness of God and his word and walking in obedience to it. Remember those two significant words from last week. Follow me, Jesus says. And fourthly, we are to submit within the church. Within the body of Christ, the local church, there's an invitation. In fact, not just the local, but also the translocal. Um, we're actually part of an Anglican communion. Within that, I am submitted to an Anglican bishop, both locally and actually overseas. We may not like that, but God does like that. God invites us to live in that way, not because they necessarily are the best bishops out there, but because God blesses that kind of spirit and attitude. But it's true within the local church. Paul writes, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So here is our foundational invitation to be those who submit. It comes from the spirit. It comes from a, a spirit-filled reality. It comes from resting in the fact that I don't have to strain for and strive after something, but I can be free to surrender. And so the writer Hebrews says, obey your leaders and submit to them. It's not a verse I often quote or like to quote necessarily because it can seem that I'm just looking for something, but I'm genuinely. It applies to me as much as it applies to you and to each one of us. And when we make our leaders, and we're all people under authority somewhere, but when we make their life pleasant, when we make it easy for them, 
rather than resisting, rather than fighting, rather than going quiet and avoiding, but actually releasing blessing into our leaders and submit to them. And it's extraordinary what the Spirit of God can do within such a body. In fact, in that very verse, the writer says, it's not profitable to give them grief. It's not profitable to give your leaders grief. Now remember, all of this is a part of this work in the gymnasium. We're in the gymnasium of spiritual life. I know some of you may have thought your gym days were over. <laughs> um, isn't it so easy to get out of the habit? In fact, I've been wrestling with that myself. I can't believe how how much I've lost <laughs> the, the practice and uh, hoping to to get a more consistent experience of physical exercise. Um, but of course, the, the equally important question is, um, am I giving myself to relational exercises, to spiritual exercises? Am I seeking to grow my spiritual being as well as my physical and my emotional relational being? This is one of the key means in which God will bring that about. Because believe you me, the moment you submit and then find yourself being challenged in the, in the context of that relationship will be tremendous opportunities for growth. Because suddenly you find you don't like what's being put your way. Uh, you disagree with what is being put your way. You want to pick against what you're being asked to do and what's being required of you. You feel at the end of yourself and incapable perhaps of following through on that. And you may want to resist strongly. But in those moments, these are powerful opportunities for the Spirit of God to shape and to speak to us and to speak through us. Last week I shared this little saying I learned many years ago. God often offends the mind to reveal the heart. Have you felt offended recently by someone in your life to whom you're submitted? Or God has invited you to be submitted. And very often in that moment of offense, we can give you a list of things that's wrong with that person or wrong with what they're expecting of me. But you see, that is not the call. The call is to train and to shape and to strengthen the heart. And in those moments, we have an opportunity to turn to the Lord, to be more dependent upon God, to turn to prayer, to be more vulnerable, to ask for things that we might not otherwise ask for, to own the struggle with others and experience the fellowship of brothers and sisters coming alongside, putting their arm around it, encouraging us to keep faithful to the call to follow him. And you see, in the very moments of struggle and pain at times, we have the chance for greatest advance. And this is God's plan. This is God's purpose for each one of us. Even the Lord Jesus was perfected through that which he suffered that touches my heart. That amazes me. Because wasn't he already perfect? But it's about completion. It's about the Lord bringing to completion that which he has begun. He's faithful. He will do it. But he only can do that to the degree in which we choose to say yes to him. And he's committed to transforming, to redeeming the human heart. This wellspring of life. It's the source of our new priorities. It's the foundation of the new ways to which we're called in the Jesus way. And it is ultimately our most authentic worship of him. Let me pray for you.
Dear Lord, thank you that you are patient with us, long-suffering. That you're more committed to forming Christ in us than most of the time we are. And yet you persevere in these things. Thank you that you put us in a body to help us grow. Thank you that you've not left us alone. For you set the lonely in families. And thank you that you are a good father. Who gives us all that we need for godliness. All that we need for this um, this strengthening. This discipline of submission. So help us grow in these things, Lord. Thank you again for the privilege of responding. That without you, we, we couldn't even hope to do this. But you have changed our hearts. Continue your work in us, Lord. For the glory of your name, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you.